Okay. All right. Um, sorry for that little uh, short uh, break. Um, <clears throat> it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, and um, my topic today is, or maybe a Bible study today is titled, Be Ye Therefore Perfect. Um, my week has been um, a week of um, blessings, as my wife has shared. Um, I have news, great news after great news being delivered to me, and uh, I am, um, if you say, a man that is uh, full of praise and uh, content, um, you're looking at one. Um, now, when it comes to our spiritual walk, we are told not to be content, that we should strive for the best until Christ comes, that we should continue to strive. And so that is um, a prelude to my uh, message today. Be ye therefore perfect. Um, <clears throat> so one will wonder, you know, um, who said this? You know, this was Christ talking to us. Um, in the Old Testament, I mean, in the New Testament. And um, a background, you know, um, story, context-wise, um, this was the end, the last verse in the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is started with, blessed are the what? The pure, I mean, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Um <clears throat> And so, <clears throat> all right, just a minute. I'm going to switch this around to you. All right. So, our Savior understand all about human nature. And he says to every human being, be ye therefore perfect as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. As God is perfect in his sphere, so man is to be perfect in his sphere. Uh, medical ministry, page 112 and 113. So, it is highly important to grasp the, the idea that perfection in human nature represents perfection in human sphere. Let me say that again. It is highly important to grasp the idea that perfection in human nature represents a perfection in human sphere. Before I jump into the full sermon, let's just bow our head and pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here for a purpose. Lord, I pray that you will hide me and my imperfection behind your cross. And let me just be a rusty nail on the wall, on the wall where the image of Christ can be hanged. Lord, I pray that the voice that you help me to be able to speak and help my voice box, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that the ears that are going to be hearing your word, 
May it open their minds and their heart to want to do. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will bless the food, the spiritual food that we're about to partake. We hope and pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> um, as you can tell from my voice, um, I've had, like I said, a good week. Um, I woke up this morning and I have maybe what you call a raspy throat or something like that. So, um, but the good thing is it helps me to carry my voice through. So um, his strength is being made manifested in my weakness. So, um, <laughs> so thank God for that. So back to our conversation. Be ye therefore perfect. Our Savior understood all about human nature. He calls for a perfection as far as perfection is possible in human sphere. This is not to minimize the height of character development to which humanity is to attain, but to be realistic in understanding what is meant by such height. So he is not telling us that it's not possible, or he's not lowering the standard, but the standard we're talking about, it is very, very high. And as I will continue, you will see. Um, in Selected Message, <clears throat> Book 1, page 337, appears a most illuminating reference. And here's the reference. It says, with our limited power, we are to be as holy in our sphere as God is holy in his sphere. To the extent of our ability, we are to make manifest the truth and love and excellency of the divine character. As wax takes the impression of the seal, so the soul is to take the impression of the spirit of God and retain the image of Christ. In other words, we are to grow daily in spiritual loveliness. This reference makes plain that human beings possess limited power, okay? That makes it possible under God for them to be able to be holy. But holy in out of fear, a sphere to the extent of our ability. We are to make manifest the truth. Humanity has its limitation in walking the field of holiness as much as intellectual and physical development allows us to. <clears throat> God is holy in his sphere. God is holy in his sphere. Man is holy in his sphere. All right, follow me really closely. The angel has their own sphere too. There is what you call an angelic perfection. This angelic perfection filled in heaven. Man also has his perfection. That perfection filled in Eden. We are told 
in the book of um, in Ezekiel um, chapter 28 and verse uh, verse 15 and also in verse in verse 13 if I can uh, cheat right here verse 12 and verse 15 verse 12 indicate that God when he created Lucifer he was perfect in what in beauty and then when we go down all the way to verse 15 God also said that he was perfect in every way now back to Genesis before man's profession was before man's profession failed everything that God created was declared what good on the first day, God created light, and he looked at it. And now let's, let's, let's look at it so that we can, so, um, <clears throat> so we can put this, solidify this um, information in your mind. And so God created the earth. It starts in um, Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And going down to verse 3, it says, and God's, well, let's just do the whole verse. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. Let's start there. God created the light, and it was good. I wonder why God didn't use perfect or very good at that point. Um, I want to share some ideas with you. Is that when God created that light, that light by itself was perfect. But in relation to the creation week, it wasn't perfect yet because the light was shi shining on uncompleted creation work yet. Right? Does that make sense? The when God started, it says that the, vo the earth was without form and void. So the light was shining on what? On unformed matter. So at that point, the light was good in relation to the creation week. Now as the creation week goes, if you turn to verse 10, he says, and God called the dry line and the gathering together of the water called, the, called he see. And God saw that it was good. You move down to verse 12. He says, and the earth brought forth grass and herb, yielding seed after his kind, and the trees yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw it was good. If you move down to verse 18, and and God created the farmament. And to rule over the day, verse 18, I pick up in verse 18, and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Again, and you move to verse 21. And God created the wells and every living creature that moves, which the water brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was Good. And you move all the way to verse 25, towards the end of the creation week. And God made the beast on the earth after his kind, 
and cattle after their kinds, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. We move down to the last day of the week. And in verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning was the sixth day. Now you'll be asking me, what does good has to do with perfect? Good is not perfect. Very good is close to perfect. But here in Deuteronomy, and I will say, if I can find the verse. Deuteronomy, verse 2, I mean 32. Verse, speaking in verse 1, and then verse, uh, verse 4. Let's start with verse 1. It says... Are you there? I can wait. It says, Give ears, O ye heaven, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the word of my mouth. Ah, I think I have the wrong verse. Excuse me. I'm sorry, I have my verses um, cross-reverenced, um, confused. But in the book of Deuteronomy, good was linked with perfect because all the work of God in creation was described. And when the final declaration was made, it was said that it was perfect. Whatever God does is perfect. Now, back to what we were talking about. Angelic perfection filled in heaven. Man's perfection filled in Eden. So, here we are with all this failure and we are called to be what? Perfect. Just as our Heavenly Father is perfect. So, I continue. The perfection that Adam has had before he fell was a human perfection, a relative perfection in its fair. It was not an ultimate, consummate perfection in the absolute sense. That type of perfection is possessed by God and will ever be possessed only by God. When the Savior say, Be ye therefore perfect, as your Father which is in heaven is perfect, he meant perfection in the relative sense. God is absolutely perfect in every way, in character, in, character, in power, in wisdom. God's power, God's wisdom is absolute. 
God's perfection of character does not improve. It has always been perfect, absolutely perfect. It always was, it always will be so. So God's perfection is, can never be improved. Unlike us, which borrow from God, we can improve on our perfection. And that's the whole point of my sermon today is, what does it mean to be perfect? And we're going to try to unpackage that as we go along. The <clears throat> Excuse me. The expression, as God is perfect in his sphere, so man is to be perfect in his sphere, is the key to understanding the doctrine of Christian perfection. The word sphere, as it is used in the foregoing, refers to the place and scene of man's habitation, that he is man living in this present evil world. True faith in Christ and obedience to God Man is to become perfect in humanity and in this present evil world. God's grace works perfection in him, but his perfection is of a relative character in relation to God, who is perfect in his divinity, who is omnipotent, omniscience, and omnipresent. Man's perfection is limited. But man can grow. Man's perfection grows because it is relative. He is capable of improvement. He can do better. And that's the point, is that we can grow. So how do we grow? You might ask. Hold on. And just like all parallel that are not perfect. This might not be perfect, but we will try. Okay? Um, as in nature, so is grace. There can be no life without growth. The plant must either grow or die. As it grows in silence and in per, and imperceivable, but continuous, so is the development of Christian life. At every stage of development, our life may be perfect. Yet, if God's purpose for us is fulfilled, there will be continual, continual advancement. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. As our opportunity multiplies, our experience will enlarge and our knowledge increase. We shall become strong to, be bear, to bear responsibility, and our maturity will be in proportion to our privilege. Here, I highlight the idea that, <clears throat> that we can grow. And even though one cannot see that growth does not mean that you are not growing. It is the work of God that he, will, he wants to do in you. Um, 
So, in, in, in discussing perfection in the human spirit, it is hard to find a perfect illustration or parallel. But illustration, faulty as they may be, may have meaning in the statement just quoted. <clears throat> the messenger of the Lord stated that there will be continual advancement, and again, at every stage of development, our life may be what? Perfect. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. If we can understand that and store that in the, our mind, sanctification is the work of a lifetime. But we must not overlook this important truth that the work is still the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And not our mere effort to measure up to the divine standard. Christian growth, which is sanctification, is possible only by the continuous surrender of our will to God. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you might say, the faith that is unto salvation is not a casual fate, we are told. It is not the mere consent of the intellect. So, it's not about I have this powerful thinking mind that I can think my way through perfection. It does not work that way. <coughs> Excuse me. It is belief rooted in the heart that embraces Christ as a personal Savior and assures that he can save unto the uttermost all that comes unto God by him. To believe that he will save others but not save you is not genuine faith. But when the soul lays hold upon Christ as the only hope of salvation, then genuine faith is manifested. <clears throat> so, it is God that circumcised the heart. The whole work is the Lord's from the beginning to the end. This faith leads its processors to place all the affection of the soul upon Christ. Everything. You place it upon Christ. His understanding is under the control of the Holy Spirit and his character is molded after the divine likenesses. His faith is not a dead faith, but a faith that works by love. We've heard that very so many times. A faith that works by love and leads him to behold the beauty of Christ and to become assimilated to the divine character. So when we say a faith that works by love, we are talking about Christ being crucified and being able to go with your mind eye and see him laid out on the cross. And when we see what he has done for us, we are moved by love and also by faith. It is faith that works by love. But not just that, also faith that works by love with one another. When we see one another fall, we go and help and uplift them up in their work. 
And it's, it's that same faith that works. You know, Christ says in the last day that the love of a man will wax cold. Why? It's because either we do two things. When we see our brothers falling, we separate ourselves from them and say, ah, look at them. And we incubate ourselves from them. And our love takes a heat by that. Now, the other side of that is when we see our brethren and our brothers falling and we join in their foolishness. Our love again takes a hit. And both ways, those two extremes, our love goes cold. But God has called us to have faith that works by love. And how does that do works? It's by uplifting others. You and I cannot be saved if we, can, if we don't demonstrate the image of God in us. And either by our action or by preaching or by saying it. That is faith that works by love. So we keep going. Um, his faith is not a dead faith, but a faith that works by love and leads him to behold the beauty of Christ and to become assimilated to the divine character. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest leave it. Selected message, book one, page 391. So, here we go. <clears throat> Concerning Christian maturity, Sister White writes, As our opportunity multiplies, our experience will enlarge. And our knowledge increase. What does that mean in our perfect work with Christ? As a baby Christian, you don't know everything. But whatever you know, you take and run with it. Your experience starts to increase. Your opportunity starts to enlarge. As we continue, God keeps giving us more, more understanding. And when we put us, when he shows us something and we say, and we stop, that growth stops. It does stops. And our way to perfection is takes a and so, Ellen, Sister White is saying, as our opportunity multiplies, our experience will enlarge, and our knowledge will what? Increase. We shall become strong to bear responsibility, and our maturity will be in proportion to our privilege. And that's why you can say, we can say that you can obtain, obtain perfection in every state, is that when we do what God has given us, we might not know everything, but the light that has been shown us, if we are following it faithfully, we are perfect before God. And I'm running ahead of myself, so let me pace myself a little bit. Um, <clears throat> bear with me. <clears throat> so, 
But let me add this before we move forward. May I add this that nature's, nature succeeds better than moral men or immoral men to reveal God. What does that mean? When we compare our perfection to God's perfection, we remember that we have our moral imperfection as fallen being. God has his moral perfection as unfallen God. Now, what I'm trying to say is, when we look into in nature, into nature, you know, take a walk in nature, it reveals the perfection of God better than you and I. Even though they're not moral beings. But even with that revelation, it is imperfect because of sin. And so we go and say that, and I continue, God has moral perfection as the unfalling God. We have our human moral perfection in a body with a brain with serious limitation and habit of thoughts hampered by long years of wrong thinking. God has his moral perfection as a spiritual personality with intellectual equipment and faculty that defies human language to describe. We cannot describe the perfection of God with our limited brain. So we go and say, <clears throat> so what is the challenge here? The challenge is that the Bible has encouraged us to go from what? Glory to glory. <clears throat> The Bible and the spirit of prophecy urge the believer to go from glory to glory. The Christian is to attain to the highest reach of spiritual growth possible in his mortal state. This growth, does, this growth goes on throughout one's mortal life in this world. The greatest manifestation of the power of God's kingdom on earth is seen in human nature brought to the perfection of the character of Christ. So why are we, why do we need to be perfect? It's because we are the ambassador of Christ here on earth. And we can show the perfection of Christ in our work. It draws people to God. And that's why when we don't act in a Christ-like way, we draw bad attention to Christ, to God, to the religion of God. So, let's move on. From glory to glory, the Christian is to attain the highest reach of spiritual growth. <clears throat> but to obtain the divine character on earth requires a personal faith in the righteousness which Christ developed while he was on earth. So why has Christ come for us? One, to die for us, and also to be our example. The Bible says that Christ is our example. So, now, what we're talking about is not easy, and we're saying it. But to obtain divine character on earth requires a personal faith in Christ's righteousness, which Christ developed while he was on earth which we can take. 
This is the hope of God's people. At any time in sanctification, it is possible for Christian to lie down upon his pillow at night and rest in the hope of Christ's righteousness. He may be complete or perfect in Christ and his perfect righteousness. At any time in sanctification, be accepted by God. With this, God is satisfied. When we offer the righteousness of Christ, God is satisfied. We can go to sleep in peace. It is what we get as the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I have so much information that I want to share about this. Uh, and I have to write some of them out. Is that, you know, you've heard so many times in the Bible, the Christian walk, the Christian walk. And so you might ask, what is the leg that a Christian works on? What is anatomy, anatomy of a Christian walk? It is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the commandment, the law. And that's how we walk. We take each step. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the law, and we read the law to understand the Holy Spirit. And it's a constant walk in our Christian world. But I wrote that out of that, but I just wanted to share that with you. And uh, my voice is... <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's a Christian work that we should take. Um, so we move on um, to the next was it slide. So <clears throat> I am almost done with my sermon. And if you can take anything out of it, um, I hope that you take out that we, when God says, when Jesus says, be ye perfect, it is a commandment. And by creation, when Jesus called out light from darkness, he can call light into your darkness. So, if you can take anything out of this, it is possible to be perfect in relationship to Christ. So I continue. Uh, <clears throat> I've lost my train of thought, so I will continue. Your hope is not in yourself. It is in Christ. Your weakness is united to his strength. If you have any doubt about being perfect, your ignorance to his wisdom, your faculty to his enduring enduring might, so you are not to look to yourself, not to let the mind dwell upon self, but look to Jesus Christ. Let the mind dwell upon his love, upon the beauty, the perfection of his character. Christ in his self-denial, Christ in his marchless love. This is the subject for the soul's contemplation. It is by loving him 
copying him, depending wholly upon him that you are to be transformed into his likeness. Step to Christ, page 70 and 71. <clears throat> be ye therefore perfect. The last verse in chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, like we said, we started with blessed are the pure, poor in spirit, sorry, for there is the kingdom of heaven. You might ask, the same Christ said in Revelation chapter 3, he says, for you are what? Wretched, poor, naked, and miserable. So one will say, why is it that they are blessed in Matthew? The poor is blessed in Matthew. But in Revelation, they are what? Wretched, poor, miserable. It is because the individual in, Rev in Matthew recognized that he's poor and he's seeking God's righteousness. Unlike Laodiceans in Revelation chapter 3, they assume that they are what? Rich and have no need for anything. So Christ, looking down through the ages to, this in, to the multitude on the mount, says, Be ye therefore perfect. And it's the same requirement that he says to us today that we can be perfect. It is a commandment, but just like the words of God that goes out and never comes back void, when he says, let there be light, there was light. That can happen also in our life. And we cannot focus on our failures and our shortcomings we have to focus on the love of God on the character of God and that's why sometimes watching TV is very very bad for us because we see killing adultery all kinds of stuff and that's what our minds is focused on and we say why so bad is because it's filled it is not righteousness. It's not perfection. But when we focus on Christ and Christ alone, we see his image. And that starts to develop in us. We start to imitate him and be like him. And may our charge today be that we want to be like Christ, be like him in all what we do. And that perfection is ours to take. If that's your desire today, will you stand with me as we pray? <clears throat> Dear Lord, we thank you for bringing us here today, for giving us a taste of what we need to do, for putting the fire in our belly. Lord, we ask that every soul that is here today, that you will sanctify us by your truth, because your word is truth.
May this truth follow us all the, all, for the rest of our life, Lord. May your will, Lord, be done in our life as it is, is done in heaven. May your prayer come true for us. Lord, we pray that this moment that you would declare us righteous in heaven. And because we know and we have faith that your word goes out and never comes back void, we ask that we are happy and, Lord, help us to uphold, to see the standard of righteousness that we cannot attain, but that we can in relationship to Christ. With our own selfishness, we cannot. But with your love and with your Holy Spirit, we can obtain this righteousness. We ask, Lord, that you will be with those who are not here today. We pray for Johnny Mercy as we travel back home. We pray that you will seal in our heart what we have heard and help us to be faithful in little things. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings in our life. For we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>